You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. If you grew up in Metro Detroit during the 70s, 80s, or 90s, you know the Dietrich Firm's the Dietrich Furs theme song as well as you know anything like Stroh's or Werner's and any of the other marquee Southeast Michigan products. The man who wrote that tune, Dan Yessian, also wrote familiar tunes for Dodge and for Whirlpool. But his life took a dramatic turn when he was asked to write a classical composition to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the slaughter of the Armenian people by Turks. How do you go home to a place you've never been? How do you pay tribute to something? so unimaginable that it couldn't be put into words by putting it into music. So joining us now to talk more about Dan Yessian, his work and his life is Dan Yessian, the founder of Yessian, a music production company in Farmington Hills. He wrote that iconic commercial jingle, for Dietrich first. Dan Yessian, welcome to Detroit Thank Today. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank also with us is Stuart Shevin. He is the film editor of an Armenian trilogy. Uh, Stuart, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, uh, before we start talking about uh, this film, we would be crazy not to talk to you about uh, the Dietrich Furs <laughs> theme song, which, so I, you know, I grew up here in the 70s and 80s, and it is, it is still the commercial jingle that stands out the most in my mind. I, I, I can't think of another um, product or brand that's more familiar to me. And it is because of that. Uh, it is because of that jingle. So kudos to you for, for having come up with it. Well, thank you. Of course, this has been playing for the last 30 or 35 years. <laughs> right. And that certainly helps. Um, this jingle, uh, you know, back in that time, I wish I had we do that we did that as a buyout because we really needed the money. <laughs> and uh the best reason to do anything. Uh, right? Of course. So <laughs> with with that if uh, I had a dollar for every time that I played I'd be uh, in good good stead. But but you know, of course through the years we've done a lot as you had said uh for Coca-Cola, for Disney, so on and so forth and both my sons now are running pretty much the day-to-day Brian and Michael Yessi. And, and so with that, um, it's given me an opportunity to do something that I really wanted to do, which is to create this music for this Armenian genocide event that occurred in 1915, mm-hmm. wherein one and a half million Armenians were, uh, yes, uh, decimated. And there were another 300,000 prior to 1915 that were also uh, uh, annihilated. I had done this music to the request of the priest in 2014, the priest of our church, Father Garabed Kachakian, and he asked if I would do something to commemorate this event. So 
it was very daunting for me because you're doing Dietrich Furs and then you're doing Coca-Cola and you're doing all these other things, but to do something of this important significance, uh, not to mention it's a classical genre that I was going after yeah. in order to interpret um, the feelings of a people back then. I divided the music into three movements, the freedom, the fear, and the faith. The uh, freedom to designate a more, shall we say, peaceful era uh, then the fear when the scourge took place and uh, an Ottoman Turkish Empire uh, had intended to destroy or cleanse the earth, not unlike Hitler did with the Jews. Uh, and then the third movement being the, uh, the faith. The faith movement is probably the least Armenian influenced in its texture. Armenian music is, uh, first of all, takes a takes on a lot of different kinds of time signatures. And it also um, has a lot of minor key in it. Mm -hmm. Minor in this country is considered sad. Minor in the Mediterranean might not be sad. It could actually be happy. So I decided to go both, both <laughs> ways just to cover myself. And uh, having done that, um, we did a duet that played at the Macomb Center for the performing arts that included the violin and piano. Uh, and then the thought was uh, to do this 90-piece score. Uh, I didn't know where we were going to go with that, <laughs> but it, it did end up playing in Yerevan, Armenia, by uh, none other than the uh, Armenian Philharmonic Orchestra. And I'm looking on the stage... I was exhilarated. It was amazing. I was out of my mind <laughs> thinking that, oh, my goodness, this. And, oh, by the way, all these guys on the stage and ladies, they all look like me, <laughs> Armenians, <laughs> right. with all these names ending in either an I-A-N or Y-N, which is characteristic of an Armenian name. Sure. We came back uh, to the States, and then the thought was, could we make this into a documentary? I had my nephew, Matthew Yessian, um, filming over there, doing the footage film and the uh, stills. We came back, and I thought, if we could do something that would even yet shine a light on this atrocity, and that um, it would create some meaning, you know, some more meaning, because we are, after all, also a very, very visually driven society. I couldn't think of any better person than Stuart Shevin, who is sitting right next mm -hmm. to me, to be able to create an arc, a story out of home movies. And uh, it, it was such a delight. And I had known Stuart from years ago when we did uh, a commercial for Dodge. Actually, I didn't know Stuart. He was working <laughs> on the same project for Dodge. And that's how we kind of met. Yeah. Um, so, so, so before we get to that, though, I, I want to go back to... This time when you were essentially a jingle writer. I mean, you were somebody doing uh, commercial work. Mm -hmm. And talk about how you got into that work in the first place. But then uh, give us a little more about this transition. I mean, this is this is not just, oh, uh, I'll do something slightly different. I mean, this <laughs> is a very hard turn, um, yeah. not just musically, 
but I would imagine uh, emotionally for you that that the the music you turn to because you're asked mm-hmm. has I- incredible emotional currency for you because you're Armenian. It's interesting that you say emotion, Stephen, because as I was plotting out the chords and the melodies on the piano, uh, I saw water on the keys, and I was looking up at the ceiling of my home and thinking, where did that come from? And then uh, my wife, Kathy, came down. She said, why are you crying? So, yes, very, very emotional. Uh, That doesn't happen with a Coca-Cola commercial jingle. And uh, the business of doing music for advertising, uh, when I started out in 1971, actually, um, was as a result of my wanting to be in the music business somehow or another. Mm -hmm. I had, prior to that, for four years, taught speech and English at Redford High School in Detroit. I went into speech and English because the idea of uh, doing music at higher education levels was not going to happen as a result of the fact that I uh, can't really read music that well. Mm. I'm kind of an ear person. Not kind of. I am an ear person. <laughs> I'm going to just make it honest. You know, I play sax and clarinet, and I use a piano to write and to compose, but frankly, I have to have people around me that are going to help me out in translating what I do. I had the clarinet teacher. Into my, notes on the page. The, the notes on the page, the notations. Of course, we got computers that can do that these days. But still, back in those days, no. I had uh, my clarinet teacher sitting next to me in those early days, uh, Mr. Lang, at my age of whatever I was, 8, 9, 10 years old. And uh, he brought his clarinet. I had my clarinet. I would listen to everything that he was doing simultaneously with what I was trying to do. I started to memorize what he was doing. I wasn't really looking at the page. And after he went away, I continued to practice what I had heard. And therefore, when coming back that following week, Mr. Lang was, oh, Mr. Yessian, you're doing splendidly well. And uh, you're not counting quite right yet. I always had a problem with counting, so that's a whole other deal. I don't want to get into that. So uh, invariably, as time went on, yes, I got into the um, desire to do music. And uh, after my te- teaching experience, I said, I've got to go to where I want to be. I love this. I love it. I love it. I love, you know, so it was that. And uh, I opened up and it was very, very difficult in those early years. I would say that for the first, I have to tell you, for the first eight to 10 years, I was not doing that well. Um, but with ser- with perseverance, I suppose, and I'm not here to preach, of course, but for myself, uh, I didn't give up and I had to do it. I was still going to do this one way or the other. I had some really great tutors from ad agencies, actually. Uh, Denise Sidlow, the late Denise Sidlow, who actually mentored me with uh, all this stuff. She was uh, originally at YNR Advertising, then went to Campbell Ewald Advertising, where they had the uh, Chevrolet account, and we did various and sundry spots. And under her tutelage, frankly, uh, you know, I was able to parlay into a business that has eventually grown to where it is, where we are in, <clears throat> excuse me, yes, Detroit, but we're also in New York City and in uh, L.A. and in Hamburg, Germany. 
So mm. it's been a great experience. Yeah. But this, this right now at this time for me, this is uh, something that is so near and dear to me because it involves social injustice, not just for Armenians, but for a whole group of people. Uh, our singer who sings the end credit song, Kenny Watson, uh, who's African-American, pulled me aside and he said, Dan, yes, Kenny, why, why did you do this? I said, because I wanted to bring about the feeling that you cannot mistreat other people, that you have to stick to an edict. Uh, you know, do unto others as they do unto you. You know, that is, yeah, that's, we're not talking religion. We're just talking simple mm-hmm. truth. And he said, well, I'm asking because it really affects me in ways that I didn't expect when I was coming in to sing this session. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Stuart, Shevin, uh, talk about what attracted you to this, to this story to make a film about this. Well, I've known Dan for uh, many years. We first met over doing, uh, while we were doing commercials together. And um, Dan always, Dan and his family, well, Dan always approached me as being, how do you say it in Armenian, a mensch. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, but when I thought about this film, uh, you know, when I think about getting involved in a film, I think about what kind of legs it has and what people will think about and what the takeaway will be afterwards and what those possibilities are. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to do documentaries about what they ate in the morning or whatever. And, and you know, those are fine things to do, to talk about, but maybe doing a film is a little bit too much. But this film is about, obviously, atrocity. It's uh, how we can come together. Uh, it's about denial of atrocity which is a common theme, and it's a current theme when it comes to things like, well, s- slavery in America, for instance, and people coming to terms with that. It's about the Holocaust, which I'm familiar with. Um, also, uh, I, the wonderful thing about doing documentaries, I'll say it's kind of selfish on my part, it allows, you, allows me a place to learn about a subject that you don't know about. Uh, when we got involved, I did a little bit of research. I went to go visit a friend of mine, Michelle Andonian, who's a, a wonderful photographer in the city and familiar with uh, Armenian culture and doing work with it. And she turned me onto some books. And the issue about this atrocity, in, in specifically with the, the denial of it, and people not coming to terms with it and being able to move on really intrigued me. That, along with uh, people connecting to their roots and the joy and the, of that experience very much attracted me, and uh, I saw that as a yeah. possibility. So, so talk about how you create the story arc around this. Uh, yeah, tell me, <laughs> tell me, tell me story. Someone's got to fill me in on that. <laughs> a, lot of pieces, um, a lot of moving pieces here, right? There's a lot of moving pieces, yeah. right? Uh, well, it's not just a commercial this time. It's, <laughs> it's a story. It's building a story and seeing if there's a story there. Mm-hmm. That's the beginning challenge. And uh, then trying to create something that your audience 
will expand will be expanded upon. So it's I, it's not that you have to reach millions of people. Okay, it doesn't have to be box office in that way, but it should reach a variety of people for it to work. Uh, and that I saw in this film. So the first thing I do is is try to break it down into more universal themes that we can all connect with. Um, and then it's a lot of back and <laughs> forth. It's a lot of many, many, many hours yeah. to build that story. Uh, and the role of the music here uh, in the film is important as well. I mean, Yessian writes the music for the 100th anniversary, but it really does shape the narrative of, of how you tell his story. Oh, definitely. Uh, I mean, the music is everything in it. And uh, sometimes I would sit down and close my eyes and put a set of headphones on and just listen to the music and try to understand it and to feel it. Uh, Dan has some influence. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of Bernstein going on here. To me, <laughs> there's... Uh, a little bit of There's, Gershwin. Yeah, right. A little yeah, bit of Gershwin, a little bit of all that. <laughs> the music uh, has a lot of personality in it. Uh, and I've always been attracted to the clarinet. Uh, I, I even like klezmer stuff. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so it's listening to the music and letting that guide you, really. Yeah. Kind of sounds, sounds obtuse in a way, but that's the way it is. Yeah, We, we heard a little bit uh, of the music... Uh, that Yassian composed for this 100th anniversary of the uh, Armenian uh, slaughter at the beginning of the clip. Let's, uh, at the beginning of the segment, let's take a listen to just a little more uh, of what, uh, what he composed. Music by Dan Yessian, written to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the Armenian slaughter. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Dan Yessian and Stuart Shevin about the film, an Armenian trilogy, which is showing as part of the Freep Film Festival this weekend. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. My guests are Dan Yassian, who is the founder of Yassian, a music production company, 
In Farmington Hills, he is the man who is responsible for many familiar commercial jingles around here, including the Dietrich Furs by the Dietrich family uh, jingle, which I think if you grew up here at any time in the 70s or 80s or 90s, you absolutely remember. Uh, Also with us is Stuart Shevin. He is the film editor of an Armenian trilogy, which takes a look at Dan Yesian and his music and the turn from writing commercials to writing music, classical music, that commemorated the 100th anniversary of the slaughter of the Armenian people. That film is part of the Freep Film Festival this weekend. It will have its world premiere April 13th at 12.30 p.m. at the Imagine Theater in Royal Oak. It will also be shown April 14th at 3 p.m. at the Patriot Theater in Gross Point Farms. You can find more information at freepfilmfestival.com. Uh, Dan, before we broke there, uh, we were listening to the second movement of, uh, of this, this uh, music that you wrote. Uh, talk about what you were thinking about when you wrote that. Of course. Uh, that would be the fear. That's the fear movement. The fear movement was uh, my perception of what was happening when the Ottoman Turkish Soldiers were landing on top of innocent Armenian civilians, men, women, and children alike. Um, there's a gallop that ensues. It's those are the horses. Those are the Ottomans coming down. And then it goes there's those were the spears. So I'm seeing things just as I would in a commercial. You know, when Stewart comes by with a uh, a 30-second spot that uh, needs scoring, you have to think about what you're doing. It's not going to be just any piece of music, but it's got to be well thought out. And what is going to make that picture work um, for communicating? So now where are you getting that picture from, though, uh, to write that movement? I'm getting it from uh, source books, but... uh, I'd have to tell you, I'm getting it from my grandparents. Hmm. And uh, my grandfather um, saw his first wife killed, murdered. Uh, The Turkish Ottoman Empire did some really, really bad things, not unlike the Jews. The Jews had their ovens. The Turks uh, did not have ovens. They had their spears, and they gutted pregnant women. They castrated the men. They made them march through a desert until they fell down and died. So there's a lot to be said about, you know, this excessive cruelty. They are in denial to this day. Their textbooks in that land uh, will still berate the Armenians, who are actually, there is a population of Armenians living there. So I don't know how you do that. You're reading, you're reading about yourself and what you did wrong. Uh, So it's, It's that, but it's also about um, our world as it is. It's related to the world. It's related to this country. How do we keep wanting to batter each other excessively, even now, even more, that everybody's going to do the gotcha thing on both sides of the aisle in this country or in Syria or wherever wherever there's going to be some kind of conflict, we have this penchant for wanting to create uh, danger for others. Why? 
So this this film uh, is easily re- relatable to these kinds of issues. I sure, think. sure, and and of course we should we should note that that there is. Uh, uh, an ongoing uh, dispute between the Turkish people and the Armenian people about the nature of what happened and what to call it. Uh, right. We had a caller just now who didn't want to stay on the line who says, how come you're not calling it a genocide? How come you're saying slaughter, which is the word that I chose mm-hmm. uh, to try to introduce the segment because I thought um, I thought we wanted to talk about a number of different things, and I didn't want to get us distracted no, it's, it's, by that. Yeah, but, but it's, it's inter- an important discussion. Absolutely, right? and it's interesting that they bring up the word genocide because it was this particular event that invented the word genocide. That's where genocide comes from. The, with the Jews, it's the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Uh, call it genocide, call it Holocaust, call it mass murder, call it slaughter, whatever it is. Those connotations um, are not as important to me as are the act of doing these things, not just to Armenians, but to people around the world. Uh, does it have to be relegated to Armenians? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the particular subject, yes. But it's an offshoot into a lot of other places. So, yeah. Uh, so, Stuart, we had uh, we talked about another documentary in the film festival earlier this week where the composer watched the film and composed along with the scenes, uh, which I think is uh, kind of the way that that, uh, feature films get made often. I I wonder, based on the fact that you're making a film about music, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, is it kind of that the process is flipped? In other words, are you listening to the... Totally, yeah. Definitely it's about flipping the script uh, on that process. Uh, So you're listening to the music and then coming up with the imagery that you want to, to tell the story? Well, both uh, the imagery, and I'll call it the cadence of the film, how the film progresses, uh, and the arc of the film as far as telling a story. Uh, this film started out as what we in the film business call a bit of a vanity project. It's about a person, okay? It's a biopic. Uh, vanity sounds bad, but it's not, uh, it's not as bad as it sounds. Not as indulgent. Well, that's the challenge, to not make it indulgent, right, to make right. it so that people want to uh, Which I was concerned it. about, by the way. I thought it was going to be my resume, you know? But go so ahead. that was my, th- my first goal was to take it from what we call a vanity piece and move it to something more universal and seeing if then it had purpose to, to, to do that. Well, once that happened, uh, the other things, and then it's listening to what is brought to you. That's what an editor does. I have grandiose ideas when I'm, before I go to bed at night and I'm sitting in my bed and thinking, but then the film comes and it's nothing like that. <laughs> so what are you going to do with what you're, with what you're given and how do you develop that is the challenge. Uh, one of the things that happened, let's say, in this story is that Dan spoke about growing up and, assi- and the process of assimilation in America. And that's something that really connected with me as someone who's young and my, my grandmother came over here uh, to escape the czar from mm-hmm. Russia, mm-hmm. as an example. And, and since then, you know, we've connected to our roots. Uh, we try to do that. And, uh, I remember going to my next door neighbors, uh, uh, and they would dole out uh, for lunch and, and want me over for lunch and give me bologna and Miracle Whip on white bread. And my mother would tell me, you know, 
you know, Stuart, you need to, you can just come home when they offer that kind of food. We don't, that's not what we do. We don't eat that, right? Yeah, right. We don't eat that. Not to put anybody else's food right. down, but that's, you know, like what we did. So, but at the same time, we were encouraged to assimilate. Later on, uh, we were also at the same time taught to embrace our roots and uh, embrace our creativity. And that's uh, something that I saw in this, mm. and, you know, a, a parallel with, uh, with Dan in, in his experience. Yeah. What do, you, what do you hope people take away from this film, both of you? That to move on, we have to recognize our denial in these situations. Uh, and it's, it's not about one-upping a tragedy uh, or an atrocity. Uh, it's the Holocaust. It's slavery. It's King Leopold in the Congo. It's the Hutus and the Tutsis. It's, you know, it's the uh, Native Americans. I mean, it's unfortunately one after the other. Uh, we have to look at them square in the eye. We have to talk it over. Uh, we have to face the facts so that we can move on. Dan? We have to face the truth. And boy, oh boy, that's a very tough thing to do these days for everybody. I don't know why, but I'm just hoping to God that we can um, resolve differences by communicating. Again, by feeling what other people are feeling or trying to do that, making an attempt, a better attempt at what we do. So, yeah. Okay. Dan Yessian, founder of the Yessian Music Production Company in, Fal in Farmington Hills and author of the Armenian Trilogy, uh, which commemorates the 100th anniversary of the Armenian slaughter at the hands of the Turkish Ottoman Empire. Dan, welcome, or thank you for being here with us. On thank the you today. so much for having us. Absolutely. Also, Stuart Shevin, film editor of An American an Armenian trilogy, uh, which is one of the films showing at the Free Film Festival. Stuart, can we mention uh, the uh, tickets are yeah. sold out for Saturday's performance? Okay, but they are available, but they are for Sunday. Uh, for Sunday, okay, yeah, and that's a three p.m. performance at the uh, Patriot Cinema Theater in Gross Point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want to give a little shout out to uh, someone very important in our community, Audrey Pask, mm. dynamic yeah. lady, and uh, and uh, as uh, always. Uh, a shout out to Castech. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> there, you, there yeah. you go. Okay. And, and again, uh, you can find more information about how to see an Armenian trilogy at freepfilmfestival.com. That's going to do it for me this week. I will be back on Monday, which is the IRS tax filing deadline. We're going to talk about the fact that low income people are more likely to be audited by the IRS than high-income people. Why is that? Does that make any sense? We'll also talk with conservative economist Jeffrey Dorfman about the ways that Democrats and Republicans are approaching tax and economic policy. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. I'll talk with you again on Monday. <laughs>